Hey y'all, before we jump into today's episode, we would like to invite you to a special event we're hosting on May 30th called Women in Whiskey. Join us for an adult field trip filled with Southern fun at the Jack Daniels Distillery right here in our home state of Tennessee. Get ready to learn while sipping. We will be taking a private tour of the distillery, enjoy a barbecue lunch on the beautiful hillside, and partake in early happy hour with cocktails provided by Jack Daniels as we listen in on a conversation with women who work in the industry. The conversation will be led by yours truly, your hosts of the Steel Magnolias podcast. Learn more about the event at steelmagnoliaspodcast.com. You can grab your tickets there and we cannot wait to see you on May 30th. And now on with the show. Tex-Mex. What makes it different than just Mexican fare? If you're from Mexico or Texas, you likely know many differences. But we thought we'd discuss that at the table today. So meet you there and prepare to get hungry. I'm Lainey. And I'm Laura Beth. And we are Steel Magnolias. The strength of steel with the grace of a magnolia. We are here to have uplifting conversations about life in the South. And we've got plenty of room at our table. So pull up a chair. Hey, y'all. And hey, sis. Hey there. Hey, we want to start out this episode with a very big thank you to our sponsor for this episode, Tennessee Woodworks. Okay, don't fast forward. Don't fast forward. Don't fast forward. You're definitely going to want to hear this amazing story. I bet you guys didn't know that the owner and master craftsman at Tennessee Woodworks is legally blind. Yeah. I mean, blind. Wow. Blind. In the fall of 2016, Eddie Zingelman was forced to leave his career in the healthcare industry due to a degenerative eye disease that had rendered him legally blind. Wow. So over time, since he was a young boyish, I think it kind of started showing itself in middle school and high school, it started getting worse and worse. And so shortly after resigning, Eddie set out to build a basic farm table for the home that he and his wife, Katie, had just purchased. The farm table that he built turned out to be the beginning of a new and exciting career path. So Eddie quickly set out to learn as much as he could about the art of woodworking and just the fundamentals of traditional furniture making and craftsmanship. And little by little, things started coming together one piece at a time. So Eddie and Katie's home garage started looking more like a wood shop. And then after two years, Eddie's handcrafted tables were now in multiple retail outlets. That's incredible. Increasing demand necessitated a move into a dedicated wood shop. And today they are Tennessee Woodworks. I love this so much. Incredible, incredible story and amazing determination. I I cannot wrap my head around what it takes for him to construct and build these amazing pieces of furniture and we so last foreign to me last week we talked about the um butcher block cutting boards that they make and i just yeah so you have to really go look for it look at these for yourself go to tennesseewoodworks.com check out what they can make and they can produce stuff for every home of your room every room of your home <laughs> <laughs> 
And again, just thankful for them to to partner with us and sponsor this episode. Have you ever heard that when you lose a sense that the other senses get stronger? Yes. Maybe that's why his hands make such beautiful handiwork. That's very true. That's very true. Yeah. Because I think I have exceptional hearing, hearing, but my eyesight is not that great. I feel like there's a real imbalance there. So, yeah. Could be true. Hey, I also want to thank all of the amazing companies that supplied products for our most recent swag bags that we sent out to our VIP patrons. That would be Overland Candle Company, Savor the Flavor South Carolina, Take Them a Meal, and Southern Lady Magazine. So thank you. Some of our VIPs are just getting boxes even this week or in coming months with those goodies and product. Yeah. If you want to find out more on how you can get a swag bag, you can check us out at patreon.com slash steel magnolias. That'll show you all the different levels of uh, support. Okay. So before we jump into today's topic, in looking to the future at our content, We've got this one topic that's feeling a little daunting to the two of us. That feels like an underestimate, but yes, daunting. We have been wanting to discuss favorite cookbooks, meaning Southern cookbooks. Mm -hmm. But there's so many directions you can go. The classics, the new up-and-comers, etc. When it's so personal. The grilling, smoking, the baking, the just cooking. Mm -hmm. So we need y'all's help. Yeah, we're doing an all-call for nominations for your favorite Southern cookbook. And we will be featuring probably around the top five or so on an upcoming episode. So we might not even be familiar ourselves with With some of the ones that get the most votes. But we want to hear from y'all because we want a good representation of those of you that love Southern culture and may have been using a cookbook that you've loved for a long time, tell us about it. So you can email us, steelmagnoliaspodcast at gmail.com, or you can message us through Facebook or Instagram. Or if you don't even want to type it out and you're on your smartphone, we even have on our website or just on the website on the desktop or your laptop, if you go to steelmagnoliaspodcast.com, You'll see in the bottom right corner, there's a little microphone. And if you will just touch or click on that microphone, it prompts you to just leave us a voicemail, like leaves us a message. And then we get a recording of you just telling us what your favorite Southern cookbook was, is. So there's a lot of ways to enter to get in contact with us, but we wanted to make it as easy as possible because we want to hear from you We want to know your go-to. Okay, I have a fun way to kick this off. Okay. We made a trip to Texas, as you can tell from our content as of late. Yeah, fresh. (laughs) And we had a wonderful experience of Tex-Mex Fair that caused me to make a funny little list. Three signs you're coming in to an authentic Tex-Mex restaurant. Okay. (laughs) These literally happened. So I thought these were fun. Real time examples. The street lining up to the restaurant is lined with quinceanera shops. Now, if you don't know what a quinceanera shop is, the 15th birthday is a huge celebration in Mexican culture. Yes. Bigger than what I think of as a sweet 16 in the the States. Um, So, yeah, the. 
the dresses, I mean, this is a, probably a bigger spend or time put into it than a prom dress. Like, this is, this dress is huge, huge. too. Like, literally, circumference. <laughs> it's got nothing Sides. on the, or they're giving a run for their money on the Azalea trail maids they that really we talked are. about. They really look similar to those. Yeah, they're, they're bright and decorative, for sure. So, okay, if, so, if you yeah. see the streets lined with those shops, you may be getting That's into awesome. a good location. Okay. Number two, when you get out of the car to walk inside, everyone is speaking Spanish, including the street preacher on the megaphone on the corner. <laughs> True story. I was like, I've never actually seen a Spanish street evangelist okay. on a megaphone. Well, we saw it in Texas. <laughs> and number three, you come in the door. And the signed celebrity photos of patrons of the restaurant include Shakira. Hey, hips don't lie. She's been there and she signed her picture. So yeah, we got some good Tex-Mex authentic. Yeah. So there's three signs for you. Well, okay. I want to talk specifically later about that restaurant and yeah, and what we ordered and all the things that we did there. But yeah, so we, I mean, how is Mexican and Tex-Mex, how are they different? Well, Mexican food... Or Tex-Mex is Mexican food with Texas ingredients. That's a great way to say right? it. <laughs> yes. That's why it... In ex- fact, it reminded me in doing research of this, this uh, sweet woman at our church that was from Egypt, one time she had made some sweets for this gathering. Oh, yeah. And she said, I did the best I could with the ingredients I could get here. And I thought, oh, Yeah. That would be so hard. Right. To make what you're used to making and yeah. not have the exact ingredients that yeah. you're used to having yeah. in your homeland. Right. So that's how things get birthed. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, some examples. I'll just give examples right out the bat. Fajitas. These, these are just basic. That's Tex-Mex. Tex-Mex. 100%. Fajitas. Uh, nachos. Any dish that uses beef. Beef. Who knew? I didn't know that I was didn't know that. Tex-Mex. Okay. Black beans, canned vegetables, wheat flour, or yellow cheese. Okay. So all right. of those ingredients are not popular south of the Mexican border. Maybe a little you bit may be in the able north. To find them, Mexico. Okay, but think, they're just but not popular. That's not so a big it's deal. not that's not regular Mexican food. So those that's why those are considered Tex-Mex. And then of course beef is the primary choice because of all, if you <laughs> of heard all our, things Texas, if you heard our cowboy culture episode last week, there is cattle coming out their ears. So Texan ranchers obviously would be using what's on their hands, and that's beef. Yeah. Well, you've pretty much covered it already. So that's the episode. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Totally kidding. So this cuisine, it grew out of what I read, the Rio Grande Valley, Rio Grande Valley, but came into its own. I read in San Antonio. Did you read it? Did you read a city that that doesn't? Okay. So I read that in the 1870s, Chili Queens in San Antonio. That's what they called them. Chili Queens in San Antonio. They started becoming nationally and internationally famous. That's when Tex-Mex started getting on the map. So while Tex-Mex food has its roots in Mexico and Southern Texas, it didn't really grow into like a food group, like where people might have even had a name for it until a group of Hispanic women known as the Chili Queens began their reign in 1870s. That's a long time ago. 1870s it is they had a little uh, shop in a plaza of san antonio 
and it, so it started as like a little pop-up and they served chili con carne with tamales enchiladas and chili verde so the word starts spreading they start bringing in you know it's starting to attract tourists now not just locals and they called it they were spreading the gospel of chili oh that's hysterical (laughs) which was the first popular mexican meal to enter america because that's hearty and so yeah so i read that the chili queens of well all right san antonio in the 1870s are kind of the ones that made this a known thing well i do know chili con carne is very much a tex-mex thing Mm -hmm. but that's pretty much just what we call chili, right? Well, yeah. So I started even in my research. I was like, so what's the difference between chili and chili con carne? I think, simply put, chili. Oh, it's with meat. Chili can be made with just chicken, with beans. turkey. True. You could even have oh, sweet, you know, vegetarian sweet potato, chili. Ve- yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, corn beans. They are truly, you know, endless possibilities. In fact, we've had chili cook-offs at our church before. And I'm like, I had no idea that this many chilies Could even be all different. Right. But chili con carne is... Beef chili. Con carne means with meat. So it has to contain meat. Okay. Technically. Okay. Not necessarily beef, but meat. Yeah. But we know in Tex-Mex, as we've already stated, that it's it's most likely going to be beef. Okay. Yeah. Very interesting. Well, I do know in Mexican... You pretty much always are going to have corn tortillas. That's yes. how they do it. Yes. But in North Mexico and Texas, yeah. you yeah. see the flour. Now we're getting some gluten. Yeah. Some wheat. <laughs> wheat flour. Yeah. So. So you see both. That's a. Yeah. But yeah. That, that is a distinction, though. For sure. For and then, sure. like you already said, most Mexican food, you're going to see white cheese, like mm-hmm. that cojita, is that how you say it? Maybe. Or queso yeah. fresca, fresco, yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, but when you start seeing yellow cheeses, yeah. Tex-Mex. Like, yeah. Kind of like people would just call a nacho cheese. But it's different. But it's the color of a nacho cheese. Yeah. Cheddar yeah. base. Yes. Which is what yes. we have a lot of here. <laughs> we love Makes our, so much sense. We love our cheddar. <laughs> and I know Tex-Mex uses cumin a oh, lot. Okay, and you don't yeah. really see that much in Mexican food. Okay. That's another distinction. Yeah. I love um, cumin. I do too. I love cumin in my guacamole. Oh. Yeah. You I make it adds a lot. A lot. Ground cumin. Well, Tejano culture is Texans of Mexican heritage. Okay. So that's a lot of what I read was talking about. It's Tejano culture that got, okay. you know, they were trying to make their food. Right. They were used to making and just using yeah. what they had easy to get. Yes, yes. Did you read about what might be the oldest Tex-Mex restaurant in operation today? No. So I think, according to what I read, it's El Phoenix in Dallas. That's oh, F-E-N-I-X, El Phoenix, El Phoenix. I feel like I saw that in a book I was looking at when we were making our trip. Yeah, so we didn't get to try that in Dallas, but it's still apparently in operation today. Let me talk a a little more specifically about some of the, we talked about chili con carne. And fajitas. And fajitas. Um, Fajitas are an iconic dish, but a relatively late newcomer entering the mainstream Tex-Mex scene. It came in like the 1960s, is what okay. I read. So the outs, it would it, that could be steak too, but you oftentimes see chicken now on menus as a fajita option. But it was considered a lower class food for many years. Really, the fajitas, yeah. Huh. 
The fajitas revolution came in 1969 when a Laredo restaurant called Roundup served the dish on a sizzling platter. Oh, yeah. Do you remember when you worked at a Mexican restaurant? Do I remember? And how, oh, yes. how much your clothing smelled when you would come home? Well, I have a funny story oh, of the sizzling skillet <laughs> as well. So I was... Um, what? Sorry, I know this story. 17, <laughs> working at this restaurant. And... You know, as a waitress, well, first of all, I'm in the whole off-the-shoulder dress. She's a senorita. Okay, with my big button on that was like whatever special margarita for the week or whatever. Oh, my gosh. So you cheesy. You had flair. <laughs> I had my flair. Just one, though. And so, anyhow, you would, you know, serve when you're carrying all the food out to the table, you have that large tray with each person's plate on it. Yes. Well, when you do the sizzling fajita skillet, it's supposed to have a, like... Like a pot holder or... It's like a... It was like a thick straw kind of, I don't know how to explain it, uh-huh, thing that uh-huh. went under it. Yeah. Not a trivet, but... But that is the idea. Their version of it. Yeah. And so I'm 17. I'm, you know, putting all my... I'm in a hurry and mm-hmm. I put all the... And I just stick that skillet right on that tray and I get all the way out to the dining room before the heat has come through. The tray. I did not drop it. <laughs> I just, like, got it down to the table, you oh. know, without, I don't even think I screamed, but the heat was making its way. Oh, my gosh. Um, so that was In my, my mind, you dropped funny it. Funny stories. But no, I didn't drop it. But oh, my gosh. That's the everybody worst. Everybody should have to wait tables once in their life. But that's a whole nother. That's true. At least true. once in your life. Because it's so good to see how I have so many funny stories. Well, you certainly learn a lot about customer service. Yeah. And empathy for those that are in the service yeah, industry in general. it's not the waitress or waiter's fault. If something's delayed, it's the kitchen. There's so many different things. Anyway, didn't mean to get on that rant. Um, tamales, that's a popular Tex-Mex street food. And we've, we've talked a little bit about, we talked about Delta tamales, Delta tamales but enchiladas. So that's a very Tex-Mex. I didn't know that until recently. I mean, this is considered like a comfort food to many people. It's a little different for me to consider that a comfort food, but well, I laugh thinking, yeah, I mean, after you eat it, don't you just want to take a nap? You do kind of want to take a nap, yeah. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, and then we talked about fajitas. Well, I read that it was an English food writer, Diana Kennedy, in the 1970s, who actually brought new life to the word Tex-Mex. Okay. She was really trying to quantify the differences. Okay. Um, I don't know if that's accurate, but she was trying to kind of argue the differences between Texan food and distinct from Mm -hmm. Mexican food. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, we've already covered a lot of the differences. Another I had noted was sweet corn being used in Mexican food is very much an American thing. Yeah. That's not something you would see in Mexico. And canned beans. Yeah. Or another American invention. So Mexicans generally use fresh beans versus canned beans. Yeah, yeah. And I would say even canned lots of things, canned tomatoes, canned, right? <laughs> yeah. Black olives. Like there's true. other there's That's things true. that I've seen in Tex-Mex that are Very all true. canned vegetables like that in that same family. And then I read burritos were Tex-Mex. Okay. Um, I don't know. Who's going to argue? That's if they're wheat, or if they're in a wheat flour well, that's true. tortilla, 
Yeah, and corn ones are often so small. You know how the flower mm-hmm. ones are can be mm-hmm. large. Yeah, corn's usually which makes small. for an easier burrito. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we do need to talk about the tortillas because a fresh tortilla kind of is the one of the key ingredients in a Tex-Mex meal. And they take a lot of pride in making them homemade. Yes, yes, corn and flour. Actually. True, true. But yeah. I did find a good recipe for a homemade tortilla if anybody wants to be ambitious and try it. Oh. I'll link to it in our show notes. Well, I've fun. never tried it, but it's from Taste of Home, and they usually they have good, do really they well. They do. You got that right. Um, I have even just not made, I've never made them homemade, mm-hmm. but I do think if you just spray your skillet with just a little of the oil mm-hmm. and then just quickly kind of brown it a oh, little bit, for like, sure. that Stor- does make it kind of so much fresher it tasting. does it does and that doesn't take very long you yeah. can do that fairly quickly no we spread a little butter on ours and okay. then and Just then do that in the skillet or we'll like cook the i mean the cook the ground beef is already cooked but to even warm it up or something put it in there fold it over okay yeah just kind of gives it a crispiness like get, get your cheese melted yeah a little more yeah that. yeah Yum. well what next well we have a restaurant called Chewy's that we're familiar with. So I wanted to talk about the original Chewy's that started in 1982 in Austin, Texas. Okay. The, I wanted to mention it, especially because the first Chewy's outside of Texas is right here in our backyard in Franklin. We got the second. I mean, we, were we the, did. I didn't know that. We did. Chewy's is interesting because, well, they have a real eccentric decor, decor. in the restaurant, which is fun. But they have... 10 signature sauces. Well, that's incredible. If that you're a sauce boom, boom lover, sauce is my jam. That's your favorite. Is that different than the white sauce that yes. they bring you cuz it what have we heard that called crack sauce or white, something? White crack. White crack. <laughs> bring me some of that white crack. It, it's what they serve it's a lot like of times. It's thin. It's so ranch thin. or something. I don't know. A lot of people just like to dip their chips in it. Yeah. It's it very reminds addicting. me of a ranch, but it's thinner. Mm-hmm. It's not real thick. I love mm-hmm. it too. But that boom boom sauce—I don't know what's in it, but it's glory. Yeah, and so a lot of people do. If you're around a Chewy's, you might think that is the only Tex-Mex, but there are a lot of other Tex-Mex Tex-Mex restaurants. We have one here in Nashville that's been around for ages that I've always loved, called the San Antonio Taco Company. Oh yeah. And they are right down by Vanderbilt University. And now that I have read that San Antonio was such a hub, you're like, well, of course, original so Tex-Mex. That's why you like their cheese dip. It's oh, their more cheese the cheese dip is so good. It's so good. Yeah. So I'm sure everybody listening is probably going, "Oh, my favorite Tex-Mex restaurant is such and such." We got to visit a good one in Dallas when we were flying back. Can well, I, I, for, I want to mention one more chain before oh, yeah. we go to that, yeah. and that is Papacitos right oh, there yeah. out of Texas as well. Yeah, that's a big chain of Tex-Mex that you may have in your city. Yes, so, Papacitos or Papacitos, and Papacitos started by a Greek family again. We keep hearing about the Greek immigrants that mm-hmm. start restaurants. Mm-hmm. The, I'm assuming it was Pappas or yeah, it's Papacitos, yeah, but it's yeah. like from their last name yeah that's so cool (laughs) the place we went to in dallas was called el ranchito they've got a location right there in dallas and in arlington which is just outside of dallas and that is where we were sitting when you came up with your list List of 
Because we were surrounded by families having such a good time. I mean, long tables of families that were there. So I was like, I took a couple pictures. We might have to share that or something. I was thinking this is a good place because the whole family is here. But I had, well, first of all, we started with chili con queso. Oh, yep. And just as an appetizer. Wonderful salsa, homemade salsa. Do you remember we were like, we could just package this and take it home it would be wonderful so good i chose the enmoladas i think is how you would say it which was two chicken enchiladas topped and served with mole sauce which made me think what is mole sauce very complicated yeah with tons of ingredients i've (laughs) looked it up before yeah never made it myself but so usually it's chiles at least two different types uh, the sour taste is probably going to come from a tomato. The sweet is going to come from dried fruits or sugars. There's spices. There's thickeners, like um, different nuts and spreads and things that they... I mean, it is... Very complex. Very, it's and, and so you get like a paste formed, and then you mix it with a water or broth, and then it's simmered until it's thick. Mm. So it was like just a dark. It's very dark. Color that was over the two enchiladas. It was really tasty. Mm-hmm. So that was what I had. And then what did you get? I got their like uh, beef, chicken, and cheese enchilada, like one oh, yeah, each. Yeah, yeah. And it was delicious. But what is it about just a plain cheese enchilada can be so good? I know. When it has a good red sauce on it. Yes. It is so good so funny enough it was my favorite of the three uh-huh was the cheese one. the cheese that is so if i were to go back i might just get cheese enchilada because you are a meat lover in my opinion so i think that's funny that you pick well i know you're le- cheese I'm a lover too lover though and so if flavor that's what lover. makes it come out you need a shirt that says that i'm a flavor lover <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so anyway that's what i had but um such a great experience. And then I asked the waiter if we could see them make the tortillas, mm-hmm. which he was like, sure, just tell me when you're ready and I'll take you over there. Would- well, I meant to, I thought we were going to the kitchen. In the kitchen, yeah. But it was a pretty large restaurant. He takes us over to where everybody can see. Like, yeah. it's like this lady, she's making them right there in front of everybody. On like an oversized Griddle. Griddle, yeah. and But you could see the dough, I mean, every step of yeah. the process. She thought that was so funny. We're like running video. <laughs> She's just saying in Spanish, it's way too hot up here to be making tortillas. I know. She looked cute. She even had lipstick on. I How's know. that possible when you've been flipping tortillas all day? Well, that was a fun experience. Mm-hmm. And um, But yeah, the, tor- the fresh tortilla is important. Well, and the only other couple of little differences I saw were uh, Tex-Mex tacos. You know how sometimes you'll see like a shell? That uh-huh. That's Tex-Mex. If it's a, in a shell. Okay. Not just a soft. Okay. Hard shells. I'm sorry. Yes. That okay. Is that's Tex-Mex. Tex-Mex. Okay. And then with Mexican, I said burritos are Tex-Mex. Let me clarify. Something else I read said there are Mexican burritos, but they're mostly meat. Like okay. it's not filled with rice and veggies and st- other stuff. You don't stuff. run it down the salad bar like it mows when you're just adding exactly. to your burrito. Oh, that's another. Chipotle would be another. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. Tex-Mex, I think. Okay, yeah. Mexican. Anyway. So there's just a couple more differences. Okay, yeah, I hadn't thought about the hard shell, if that makes sense. 
Well, are y'all hungry? Yeah. For some cheese dip and burritos. I'm always hungry for cheese dip. I am. Either white or yellow. Yes. Are are you team white or yellow? No, I like both. Um, I like both. And I love like kind of going back and forth between salsa. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then a cheese. Uh-huh. And then I need salsa. Yeah. It's like, yeah. it's different if you mix it. Like, that's yes. not what I'm talking about. I need just the tomatoey, yeah. just the cheese. I can get overly full and not even need an entree on either. Like, I've just eaten the whole right. if bowl I, of chips. If, yeah. If you sit down hungry, it's kind of problematic. I know. Because they're right there really quickly. I uh, know. Yeah. And then now you're packing up your entree. <laughs> yeah. That's or that's what I do. end up doing sometimes. I overload on the that's true well y'all let us know about your cookbook nominations as you're thinking through that we've given you all the ways to enter that we'll link to it in the show notes hope y'all have a good week hope it's not too cheesy (laughs) (laughs) and with that i'll say y que la paz sea contigo larbeth y también con todos ustedes